Welcome back to Radio Juxtapose, my name is Doug Gillen and on today's episode we explore the meeting point between art and humanitarianism with the London-based social enterprise Love Welcomes. Love Welcomes is a social enterprise that looks for creative ways to enable refugees to be welcomed into society. Love Welcomes have teamed up with Migrate Art to create a series of custom scarves designed by incredibly talented artists such as the Ireland-born, London-based Chloe Early. Later on, we'll sit down with Chloe to talk about this collaboration and her interest in exploring this socio-political terrain through her artwork. But really, we wanted to just create this special one-off episode of Radio Juxtapose to go beyond the aesthetics, the markets, the murals, the galleries, in an attempt to explore art as a vehicle for wider social change. with each other there are few topics as politically divisive as immigration dog whistling politicians have been capitalizing off the dehumanization of other people for centuries but voluntarily or not the movement of people is a bedrock of most modern societies and with record numbers of people currently arriving onto the shores of britain this special brand of xenophobic rhetoric has once again made its way into the headlines the british people deserve to know which party is serious about stopping the invasion on our southern coast and which party is not. At any point since 2017, it's become commonplace to turn on the news in the UK and see images of rubber rafts filled to capacity, to see hundreds and hundreds of people in a caravan with their entire livelihoods carried into a backpack, travelling to an unknown country. In North America, the children caged by the border had made headlines around the world. Men, women and children risking everything in search of a better life, only to be demonised by politicians and media outlets. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. From a European perspective, the border between Turkey and Greece has been the front line of this debate. Thousands of people arriving from Eritrea, Syria, Sudan, Afghanistan, Iran and beyond were doing everything they could to cross the threshold onto European soil, where human rights laws would supposedly offer them some sense of security. After seeing the conditions in one of the temporary camps that had been set up in Greece, Abby Hewitt felt compelled to found the organisation Love Welcomes. Love Welcomes is a social enterprise that looks for creative ways to enable refugees to be welcomed into society. So what we do currently is employ refugees to make home goods that the general public purchase, then display in their house and can have them as a talking point with all their neighbours and their community to say, we welcome refugees, they made this, this is made from items from their journey to this country that have been upcycled and tell their story and we want to say you're, you're welcome to this community. The other really important thing Love Welcomes does is it pays the refugees for their work. That in itself is an act of welcoming because it enables them to find self-empowerment and give them what they need to su support their families and each other as a community 
um, because money at the end of the day is what's going to help them to really settle into living in this this country. Probably the most well-known of their products was the collaboration with Banksy back in 2019. His pop-up shop, Gross Domestic Products in Croydon, happened to feature the Love Welcomes welcome mat, which was partially made using material from the life jackets that were discarded by the refugees in Greece. What we realised when we went to Greece, and I spent time in the refugee camps there, was the very first thing I realised was that people were bored. They were so bored, they had no reason to wake up every morning, they had nothing to do, they had no way of creating a life for their children, they didn't know when they were going to leave the camp. The one thing they continually asked me was, please tell the world we're not lazy. They saw the newspapers, they had them there. They knew what everyone was saying about them. And they were like, this isn't true. We are not lazy people. We do not want something for nothing. We really want to contribute to society. We really want to be part of the community and what's going on. And we really want to earn a living and provide a life for our children and our families. What we then realised was it was not appropriate for Love Welcomes to work in camps where people had only just arrived. People are in survival mode at that point. And when people are in survival mode, they're not thinking about work. They don't want to work. They want to survive. They want their children to survive. And so we ended up working in a refugee camp where everyone there had been in camps for over three years. And they were out of that immediate survival mode and wanting to really have something to do. And so that's what we did. We created Love Welcomes working out of a camp in Greece. Then Greece, uh, the Greek government changed its laws and things became very, very hostile. And so in fact, the camp that we did work in is now a closed camp, which means no one can enter it and no activities can happen in the camp without prior approval, of which we would not be given prior approval because rudimentally they don't want to make refugees' lives better. They think that will make them stay in the camp longer, despite the fact there's no journey for them to take to leave the camp. So it's a very difficult scenario. Anyway, what we realised was that even if you're a resettled refugee in the UK, you are still on a journey and you really still need opportunities. So currently we have a team of uh, resettled refugees in, in London and they've all been here, some for 20 years and some for one year. And they've never, ever been employed in a job. And basically their stories to me have been as soon as people realise that English isn't our first language, we're not employed. As soon as people realise that we are refugees and we've resettled, we're not employed. Since we know the refugee workforce is not going to get smaller, it's only going to get bigger. It is a waste to not think of people as being worthy to work in this country. They are, of course, worthy. They are human beings who really deserve jobs like the rest of us and deserve to be treated as human beings and adults. My name is Kemi and I'm from Nigeria. Uh, I've been in UK for eight years now. Uh, I've been working with Love Workers for over a year now. 
Uh, when I've got my refugee status, uh, I was looking for a job and uh, someone from another charity told me that there's a company looking for refugee women and this is what they do, if I can contact them. Now I'm working with them. <laughs> was there something in particular that attracted you to this, this project? Were you interested in arts and craft and things like this? Yeah, I actually know how to sew a little bit before. And uh, the other thing that attracted me to this company is because they employed only refugee women. And to me, uh, being an asylum seeker and a newly refugee, most people are looking for people that have experience. And for love welcome, they don't need you to have an experience before you come. Most of us here coming to work here, I've never sold before, I've never done hand embroidery. They brought us in, trained us and make us what we are today. You said that you had some experience before though from, from back home. What was that? Were you used to using these machines or was it similar kind of materials? Not really. I got my experience when I was an asylum seeker. I used to just learn from YouTube and learn from small charity how to just sew small things and make small things. But when I came to this place, I learned a lot uh, in many techniques. Uh, techniques that I didn't learn before, that I don't know before, and I got better in sewing. Can you maybe tell me about how the experience has been here with Love Welcomes? How has it impacted your life? A lot. Because being a refugee, I don't have friends in this country. I'm a visitor, yeah. But since I joined uh, Love Welcome, I have family in this place. I have sisters, I have goddaughters, I have so many, I have friends in this place. So it has really impact my life in so many ways. I feel more cheerful, I feel more happy. This uh, Love Welcome is a place when you're coming to work, you're feeling happy that you are coming to work. So even when uh, there's bank holiday, you want to come to work. So that's what Love Welcome has done to all of us here. Do you think this is particularly uh, amplified by the fact that it's mainly women here? Or all women here, sorry? Yeah, because one is all women and all of us have common interests and common goals. We have similar stories. So that's one thing about this place. All of us here are refugees, so we have the same story. You're we have women place. from so many countries. Yeah, we have from Ethiopia, we have from uh, Bahamas, we have from Iran, so many. We have from uh, Russia, we have so many women, all refugees from all walks of life in this, <laughs> in this place. <laughs> Even though we are from different religion, different tribe, different beliefs, we came here and we became one. We are all, we are all women and we, have, we share common goals. How have you seen or heard the experiences of people coming over the years change? Have they, have they become better? Has this process become easier for people to become, uh, you know, status in the UK? No, it's not. It's, I think it's even getting, getting worse. I came in, I seeked asylum 2016 and it took four years for them to give me my refugee status. So you can know that even though I've been here for so many years, the system is still the same thing, it's getting worse. Uh, I've seen people coming in, new refugees or new asylum seekers come here and it still feels the same thing, there's no ch changes at all. To me, I feel it's getting worse, they don't want refugees in this country. With numbers once again on the rise in Britain, many have been wondering what exactly happens to those seeking asylum. Since February this year, a disused military base in Kent has been repurposed into a semi-permanent holding facility. 
With an official capacity of 1,600, reports have recently disclosed that the reality of those numbers have reached upwards of 4,000. Several hundred protesters, including myself, recently braved the rain to let those being held in the centre know that they had supporters on the outside of the guarded fences. Stop Manston down! Stop Manston down! Stop Manston down! Stop Manston down! We are here today to show solidarity with the thousands of people who are detained in that camp and to call for the end of immigration detention everywhere. They said they've been detained here, a so-called short-term holding facility, for up to 40 days under horrendous conditions, with no access to lawyers, doctors, NGOs, or phones. They told us we're getting sick, and life in the camp was not nice. At another gated entrance to the camp, just round the corner, we saw a father walking around, holding his daughter's hand, inside a cage and unable to leave. We also saw rows upon rows of blue plastic bags with identification tag tags containing belongings which were confiscated from the detained people upon arrival. This shows the dehumanizing bureaucracy of this country's detention regime. Shame! 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 One of the things that you just said there, which is quite interesting, is you said the, the, the refugee workforce is only going to increase. Uh, what do you mean by that? Whether it's through climate change or whether it's through war or whether it's through personal circumstances, people are searching for a better life. And that is not going to stop. It's only going to get greater. We're seeing more and more climate change disasters happen. And we're seeing more and more travel and people on the move continually. One of the reasons Love Welcomes exists is selfishly because I truly do believe that at some stage, and it may not be in my lifetime, but at some stage, myself or my child or my relatives will seek safety in another country. We are not immune to what's happening and we will be in this situation. And all I hope is that somebody gives me my relatives a chance in a new country in the same way that we're trying to do. Who are some of the people that have come to work for you and where are they from? What What's the kind of range of background stories and circumstances that we're looking at? And obviously, I don't want you to reveal specific details about an individual that might compromise their situation. Well, when we worked in the refugee camp in Greece, at the very beginning in that refugee camp, it was only Syrian refugees. And then suddenly it was refugees from Afghanistan, Iran, Palestine, and from various African countries. And they were fleeing literally for their lives. Everybody had a very, very traumatic story and were very, very consumed with trauma. So that was not being dealt with at all. And now that we're in the UK, in London, we have people from, again, various African countries. We also have Syria. We have Afghanistan. We have the Ukraine. We have Russia. We have people who have fled because of their sexuality. We have people who have fled because of domestic violence. We have people who have fled because of war. We have people who have fled because their safety is massively at risk. Um, and so basically there's a range of different reasons and 
people people are not able or not willing to go back to their country for the sole reason that they will be in danger. So the majority of the women who work for us say that they will be killed if they go back to their country, either by groups of people like militia um, or by partners or family members or community members, people who just do not agree with their way of life and or how they live their life. Um, they do not have the freedom to be who they are in their home countries. You why specifically women? I know it sounds like a dumb question, but why specifically women? It's a well-known fact that when you give an income to a woman, she mainly makes sure her family and her nearest and dearest are also receiving what they need out of that income. So often when we pay one woman, it goes to an average of seven people being looked after. And that is not the same statistic when you look at across the board men. Certainly when we started that, it felt like there were a lot of projects for men. It felt like in the refugee camp, there were a lot of things for men to do, a lot of ways for men to fill their time. And there was simply nothing for women to do. The other reason is that we wanted a safe space for women. We wanted them to be able to gather somewhere, share their stories and feel safe. So we just wanted maximum safety for women to feel able to be themselves. Having been here for eight years, you're saying that they don't want refugees in this country. Do you think in your personal experience that that reflects the mood of the people here in the UK? You know, you have the government making these statements, but being here, do you feel that? Or do you feel that maybe actually the people, the people are more open and welcoming to other cultures? I feel it's 50-50. Some people welcome us here. Some people are quite nice to us. Why some people tell us, go back to your country, some people don't want us. So I think we need to educate them to know that even though we are refugees or asylum seekers, we are not pests. We see how you can see the beautiful things we are doing. We are very skilled and hardworking people. We can contribute to the, uh, to the country and community and develop it better. So people should love us. And one of the things that's really interesting about this is this isn't like you're not volunteering here. This is like a, this, you know, love welcomes. It's, yes, it's employing refugees, but this is a job as well, isn't it? It is a job and we pay our tax. We pay our tax the same way everybody, British, pay their tax. We pay. So and we, we don't depend on the benefits. We do pay our tax. We develop the country because we, they use our money to develop the country. And how do you feel seeing, looking back and seeing some of the things that you've made here? You know, you're working with these cool artists on these scarves and things like that. You, you feel proud when you look at these objects? I feel so proud that these are the things that women like me are doing and people are wearing it and, you know, happy. There was one we did last week. We saw a small girl writing us later, showing, you know, to see that we are making impact in people's life. It's something that... Anytime I see our products that we make, I feel so happy and proud that I'm part of the project. The time of recording, Love Welcomes have teamed up with the art and social change project Migrate Art to create a series of customised scarves. We've actually featured Migrate on a couple of previous episodes. You might remember their collaboration with Idris Khan to raise funds for Ukrainian relief that we featured earlier this year. What I personally find interesting about this type of project is the ability to utilise art to generate some sort of tangible positive impact. 
This cross-sector collaboration allows practitioners of many different fields to elevate each other along the way. As one of the four contributing artists for the customised scarf series, I spoke with Chloe early to find out about what interested her about the project. Using her more traditional painterly approach, Chloe's design is centred around a female character holding a bright red life ring. The character's face is obscured by the object, placing the symbolism front and centre. I was intrigued to find out more. What interested you about you know this collaboration working with Love Welcomes and Migrate? So I've been a friend of Simon's for a long time and I really admire what he's doing with um, Migrate Art. I think it's a really kind of unique and special thing. Also I've had I've been sort of following the refugee crisis myself for a few years specifically from a female perspective. Um, the collaboration with Love Welcomes kind of made sense sort of from a personal point of view, I met some um, mother, refugee mothers in Greece quite a few years ago and that's where my um, sort of encounter with the refugee community ended and it was quite a sad um, and harrowing place where like a woman told me her story and after that day I couldn't really see any hope for her as an individual. Um, her children were being educated in Greece, so that was a good thing and that there was kind of hope for her boy's future. But for her personally, she was sort of really in limbo. Um, and then when I, Simon told me about Love Welcomes, I went down to meet the women there. It's a completely different feeling in that they're settled in the UK, they're um, employed, earning a living wage and learning new skills and they're able to be a positive contribution to society. So that was for me personally, just really great to see that there can be a different end to um, a refugee story. And that was something that I really wanted to be part of. How, when you said it's the experience at Love Welcomes contrasted the experience in Greece, can you describe what that situation in Greece, what that atmosphere was like, what that, you know, what that, what those conditions were like for the people um, that were sort of temporarily housed there? Yeah, so the, the women that I, I didn't go to refugee camp, so I met, I met some women in their apartments. So they were kind of, in a sense, the lucky ones in Greece and that they were in an apartment of their own. Um, and their children were in the local schools, so that was really great. Um, but outside of that, they were really in, in a limbo, I think. They had travelled, you know, through really dangerous conditions with children, with young children during pregnancies and in the hope that they were going to get somewhere where they were going to be welcomed and there was going to be a better life for them. And the reality of when they arrived in Europe was really very different. They weren't welcome um, and there was no way for them to proceed past Greece um, with their journeys if they had families in other countries. Because they were mothers, they were in a sense weighed down by their children um, and couldn't take some of the more illegal routes that some of the other refugees were able to do. So they kind of got to Greece and really stopped there for them. I think that limbo really kind of kills people. Like if you don't kill them on the outside, that will kill them on the inside. If you just, you can't really do anything or move anywhere or be part of the society or work or contribute in any way, um, learn the language, all of those things. So it was a really kind of a sad place, I think, 
those conversations where I encountered those people. When you said, and this might seem like a dumb question, but when you said uh, you're interested in the refugee experience, particularly from a female perspective, what can you elaborate on what that means? Yeah, so I suppose around this, it was around the time that I had my first son that the this news story was kind of breaking of um, a lot of refugees coming from Turkey to Greece. And I had just had my first child, so I was... I knew what it was like to have a baby and to have a responsibility um, and that vulnerable state that you're in. And I could see these other mothers with their babies, with their young children, doing this really dangerous journey. And I suppose as a parent, I knew that you would never get on a boat like that in the middle of a night with, with a young baby if you had any other option. I think after you've had a baby, sometimes you're quite vulnerable and raw to news stories. And that one just really hit me at that time. Tell us about the how you approached this design then, the image that we're seeing with uh, the scarf. This painting, Compass, I did it around about that time. After I, well, it was actually before I went to Greece. Um, and I, it was, I was thinking about the Mediterranean Sea and about that one backdrop that's experienced so differently from the tourists and travellers that go there and from the refugees. And the painting was sort of about those things. And I saw the life ring as um, like a symbol of sort of the caregiving that a parent gives to their child, um, almost in place of their own life. I, when I was thinking of what we were going to do with Simon, we explored a few different ideas, but it sort of came back to this one as this is the most direct, this is the most relevant to this project and let's use this one. Um, and also we really like the reds and how the reds came up on the fabric and the different marks of the painting uh, translated really nicely onto the silk. So and I wanted something that was wearable and red is a, always a good color. And tell me about this, this figure as well. Why have you, you know, there's obviously active choices that you're making when you're deciding who your model is going to be, why we're removing the face away. Can you maybe describe some of these uh, decisions that you've taken? I think it was that the, the life ring was sort of front and centre and I came to think of it kind of as a Madonna and child and I, um, I wanted her to be the, the background and the life ring to be like the child in the, for, in, the, in the foreground. So she was, her role was really a supportive role. What role do you think art plays then in conversations of humanitarianism, immigration, things like this? It can be quite tricky because lots of artists, and I think myself included, don't always feel like we have the political knowledge to get involved with these divisive topics. And immigration in particular, that word seems to be really divisive. And when I think of that word, I think of like Daily Mail articles and the whole culture of fear. When I was thinking about it as a sort of topic for my work, it was, I was thinking about the word journey and that completely changed, changed how I would look at that. And I was interested in what makes one journey a good journey and what makes one journey a bad journey. Um, and I suppose artists, visual artists have the skills that we have are that we can make beautiful things. So we can kind of draw people into issues with, with a bit of beauty, with you can paint something really nicely, you can choose really lovely colours and then people might like to look at it and then you can bring a kind of a background story into that. and. It, takes it away from that divisive topic and hopefully we can look at it from another point of view. 
You said something there about some, you know, the idea of it maybe being a little intimidating coming and stepping into these arenas where you are talking about, you know, things as weighted and, and charged as immigration. Uh, can you maybe talk a little bit more about that? What you mean by, you know, it feeling uh, a little intimidating? Well, I suppose I, I'm not up on everything. I don't have the stats on, like, I'm not working in government, so I don't know how many people are coming, uh, how many people the government can house. I don't know about all those things. I'm not an expert on, you know, the logistics of rehousing people. I'm just coming at it from a human point of view of, um, I've seen this on the news and it resonates with me as a human story, as a fellow mother. I am interested in stories and I'm interested in how to bring stories into kind of visual art and painting. It's not always that easy because they also have to look good as a painting and kind of make sense visually, but it's, it's finding kind of symbols and things that can be looked at in the round. You can find out all the details for Migrate Art, Love Welcomes and each of the artists involved in the project in the show notes for this episode. This is a little bit of a departure from our usual format. I should maybe also point out that this episode was in no way sponsored or funded by any of the projects we've mentioned today. Quite simply, it was just an attempt to shine a light on something we believed worthwhile. On a personal note, I visited the Moira refugee camp in Lesbos in Greece back in 2019 with the Iranian artists Icy and Sot for a project called Giving Plants. On the camp, they worked with residents to build a series of community herb and vegetable gardens and gave out a series of plants to brighten the place up. I mean, like I think a lot of people love plants, they're all gone. <laughs> you can see the project for yourself by typing Giving Plants into Vimeo. I'm going to leave you now with a little recording I took one evening as the sun was just setting across the island. Several dozen of the residents had made their way to the top of the camp, but we found ourselves stood where a makeshift mosque had been set up, and the evening call to prayer was led by a young boy on an old karaoke machine. We'll be back with you real soon. Till then, take care of yourselves and each other. Shut up.